Well, today we're nearing the end of our series that we've been in called Who Needs God? And we've been taking time to talk about this because that's the big question. That's the big question for lots and lots of people in this world. Lots and lots of people are saying, who really needs God? Do we really need God? Because so many people are asking, why should we believe that God exists or that God is just or that God is loving and good when there's so little justice or goodness in the world that he supposedly created? Who really needs this unseen God if he's not going to do anything about the injustices in our world? And so many are asking that question because they see the problem of pain as the biggest problem in the world. The biggest problem for most people in the world. So they say if God does exist, and if this God is just and good, he would take care of this and that. That's causing so much pain in the world for so many. He would eradicate every painful injustice. And then if he doesn't, they ask, well, where does that leave all of us? Doesn't that leave us in an unjust world full of suffering, worshiping this unseen God who seems to be uninterested in doing anything about it? And that is what lots and lots of people, folks, are asking today. In fact, lots of people have stepped back and stepped away from Christianity because they can't reconcile how a good and loving God, if he really does exist, can allow injustice and pain and suffering in the world to exist. So for lots and lots of people, it's a, it's a really big issue. So they look at all the pain, they look at all the suffering, and then they decide there just can't be a loving and just and good God. There just can't be. But to them, I would want to say this. If you go around the world and you talk to anyone in other places in the globe, people who are experiencing pain and suffering right now, you will just discover that ordinary and extraordinary suffering often leads to an extraordinary confidence in and closeness to our awesome God. Pain has a purpose. Pain can draw us to our knees and it can draw us to our God. But for some people, injustice in the world calls into question, does God exist or not? Does he exist or not? And that is the primary reason that some people end up abandoning their belief in Almighty God. How in the world could a loving God allow children to become malnourished? How in the world could a good God allow one of his followers to get cancer? How in the world could a just God allow a sexual predator to not instantly be caught and punished? They say, God, if you're so just and you're so good, why do you allow so much injustice? And yet Christians have never argued for God's existence or his goodness or whether or not he is just based on a world where bad things never happen to good people. God the Father teaches us in his word that it rains on the just and the unjust. Amen? 
Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have troubles. It's kind of like if my children complain to you that I'm unjust, that I'm absent, that I'm often unkind, that I allow the wicked to prosper and I stand idly by when others get hurt, you wouldn't conclude that I don't exist. You just conclude that I'm a bad dad. Amen? And that's where some people are. They want to believe that God exists as they look at things like this, as they look at creation and saying, God, you created all of this big stuff that's so majestic and yet all the little stuff that keeps it together and make it happen as well. They want to believe that God exists as they hold a newborn baby. And you've all done that, right? You've all held this newborn baby and as a parent or a grandparent and and you see just all the intricacies of how the ears are perfectly formed and how the little fingernails are already perfectly there and, and all the, the little wrinkles so the fingers can bend are just there just perfectly. And, and, and you say, there's got to be a good God who makes all of this happen. And they, they want to believe that God exists as they say goodbye to a loved one and they hope that there really is that heaven that they've, they've heard about. But if he does exist... Then they're angry at him because he seems to allow so much injustice to exist. So listen really close. If you have stepped away and pulled back from God because of some undealt injustice that you see in our world, I want you to know that that was unnecessary. That you've unnecessarily stepped back from a good, loving, and just God. Because the justice and dignity for all God that we all want to believe in does exist. And he was introduced to the world by his son, Jesus Christ. But listen close now. Until Jesus came, there was no concept of a God who loved everybody on the planet. No concept whatsoever. That concept was introduced by Jesus at a time when there was no justice. When there was no dignity for anybody. Those who were rich made the rules. Those who were rich ruled over the poor. Those who were powerful ruled over those who were not so powerful. Those who had the might decided what was right. But into that world stepped Jesus Christ. And he claimed that God loved every single person in the world. And here is the most amazing thing of all. Jesus' first followers who paid dearly for their faith who were treated incredibly unjustly, who were persecuted for believing something, believing in God and embraced Him as a loving God. As they embraced Him, they embraced Him as a good, loving, just God while they lived in a culture that was filled with pain and suffering and all kinds of injustice. Even John I asked you to read the book of John last week. Did you do that? Anybody read the book of John? Maybe you didn't make it all the way through, but even John, who lived in a time of horrendous pain and suffering and injustice, documented the teachings of Jesus about God the Father. Look at this on the scripture or on the screen or on your phone. He writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
So write this down. First of all, Jesus taught that God is just, that he's good, that he's loving, that he's fair. That's what just means. Jesus taught about, and John later wrote about, this nature, this character of God and said, first and foremost, God is love. So Jesus taught, if you know that God's love, if he is living in you, then you will demonstrate love to other people. So instead of causing pain and suffering and injustices, instead of being an unjust person, you will show that love of God and you will be just and fair and unprejudiced with other people. The love of God will just flow out of you to other people. But when there's been an injustice, we want something done to correct it, right? We want to have something corrected. When a wrong has been done, we want something done to make it right. And that's just our natural human desire. And that begins really early in life. How many of you got pounded by a brother or sister when you were growing up? Yeah, you got beat on, you got slapped around, you got pushed around. You, you kind of got pounded on by your brother and sister. And what did you do? You pounded them right back, right? <laughs> you, you got back at them. You sought justice. You sought fairness, so you pounded them back. I want you to see my family. My, my family's here, all right? So my sister, she's the oldest. She's three years older than me. And there's that handsome guy in the brown sweater. That's me in seventh grade. That's what I look like in seventh grade. And there's my younger brother, Jerry. Uh, he's two years younger than me. Now, my oldest sister, she, she knew how to push my buttons. I mean, she really knew how to push my buttons. But it was hard to get even with my sister because I was not allowed to ever hit my sister. All right? And so she could hit me. She could punch me. She could push me. She could use those long sisterly nails to scratch me when I wasn't doing what she wanted me to do. But I couldn't hit her. And I couldn't out-talk her because I still can't out-talk her. <laughs> Sis, if you listen to this <laughs> later, I'm sorry. <laughs> So I couldn't hit her. I couldn't out-talk her. And so one day, what did I do to get justice? I sneaked into her bedroom. I found her diary. I read her diary. And then I went around and told all of her friends her secrets from her diary. I know. I was bad. I was bad. But you see, I wanted justice. Now, my brother was no problem. I just pounded him on a regular basis. <laughs> so he pretty much stayed in line most of the time. And I think that's why he learned to play the drums, because he wanted to hit something, you know. <laughs> now, a natural human desire is to get the last word, to give the last punch, to, to get justice, to, to, to correct that wrong. So the question is, what should you do when you've experienced some injustice. Right now I'm going to tell you, you should, you should leave the administrating of justice into the hands of God. You should leave the delivering of justice into the hands of God. Now when Shirley and I were first married, we lived in a little town in Kansas called Havland. And when we first got married, Shirley went to work in a grocery store. And actually, she was the meat cutter in the back room. And so she's good with knives, so don't mess with Shirley, okay? 
So she went to work in a grocery store, and I went to work at a gas station. And I pumped gas, I fixed tires, I changed oil, I, I put on mufflers, I, I fixed, put on new brakes. And that gas station was called Floyd's Fina, all right? And that's the station. And I spent most of my time in those two bays doing all kinds of service work. And uh, the thing about Floyd Ferguson's Fina station was that in that little town, most customers were so well-known that if you wanted to fill up with gas, you just pulled in, pumped up your gas, and pulled out. You, could, you were just so well-known. And all they needed to do was make sure that Floyd, the owner, or I saw them, and when we saw them fill up, pump, and then pull out, we would go out and read the gas meter, and we would charge it to their account. And that's just the way it worked in that small town. Now, in that town lived a man named Russell. Russell. Shirley's brother here, Charles, is here this morning. He knows probably who I'm talking about, Russell. And uh, wave Charlie to everybody, all right? <laughs> and Russell was a big man. And most people would say that Russell was an angry man most of the time. He was a foul-mouthed man, a man who never seemed to last, I mean to laugh. And, and Russell was a man that no one could seem to please. Well, one day while the boss, Floyd, was out, I was managing this station, Russell pulls up, pumps gas, pulls out. So I was in the shop surfacing a, a car, and I saw him do that, and so like always, I did what we're supposed to do. I walked out, read the pump, went in, charged it to Russell's account. What I didn't know is that my boss, Floyd, had just returned and had also seen Russell. And so therefore, we both charged Russell. It suddenly dawned on Russell that maybe that happened, and so he came back to the station. He came stomping into this first bay. I'll never forget where I was. <laughs> Stopping into this first bay, I was standing under a car up on the lift, and I was putting on a, a new muffler on the car, and he stops into the shop, finds me standing there, and he says, did you charge me for that gas? I said, well, yes, I, I saw you, so like always, I charged it to your account. And suddenly in front of other customers, Russell lit into me with words that I had never heard before. <laughs> And it looked like as his, finch, his, his uh, fist began to clench that he was going to take a swing at me. And I felt like, what am I going to do? But at that moment, he turned, he stomped out, jumped in his car, and sped out of the station. And I felt like I had been wronged for doing right. <laughs> I had just done what we always do. And so I got ticked. Did you know I get ticked once in a while? <laughs> and I, I wanted justice. But somehow the Lord gave me this future pastor, <laughs> the power to not retaliate. And instead, the Lord gave me a resolve to witness to him by serving him. So from that day on, Russell got some extra special service from me. And so every time he pulled in, I ran out to the pump and I pumped his gas. That's something we did in those days, all right? It wasn't self-service. I pumped his gas. I washed not only his front window, but every window around the car. Then I would lift his hood. I would check the transmission oil. I would check the engine oil. I'd check the pressure on every tire. Russell got premium treatment from me. And you know, I'm sure he thought that he had whipped this young boy into shape. <laughs> but instead of going after justice myself, I decided to let the Lord handle the justice. And I would just... Show him God-like love. And you know, little by little, Russell began to change. Little by little, 
Russell became my friend. Russell, who lived right across the street from us, even began to smile once in a while. And his life changed. Listen to what Paul says. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Listen to what Peter says. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Now listen to what Peter says about Jesus. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he, Jesus, entrusted himself to him, God the Father, who judges justly. And that's exactly what the first followers of Jesus did. They showed the love of God in their culture, which was filled with all kinds of injustice. It was kind of like they were lights in the darkness of their day. And that's what God is calling us to be, lights in the darkness of our day. From them, God's love burst out of them and lit up their darkened world. And their faith in a just, loving, and good God never wavered, even though they were were rejected and persecuted and put to death for their faith. So how could they do that? It's because they knew another thing that Jesus taught. Jesus, yes, he taught that God was just. But he also taught this, write it down, that God will bring judgment. God will bring justice to all things in the right time and in the right way. They knew a day would come when God would bring judgment upon the unjust, the unloving, and all of those who were, I like to say it this way, who were bad to the bone. (laughs) They knew that God would bring judgment. You see, when you do something unjust, I want you to be brought to justice. But when I do something unjust, I want nothing but mercy. Amen? (laughs) We want everybody else to be brought to justice, but we want mercy. I want you to have to face the music, but I want to enjoy mercy. I want you to have to pay for what you've done, but I want to pass. But when wronged by someone, we are to pass on trying to bring them to justice. We're to leave that job, if justice is needed, to God the Father. Because the Bible tells us He is the judge. Jesus says this, If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. Did you know that? For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge, God the Father, for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. Their very words that I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So that whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus is saying, I am not the judge I did not come to judge. Although this world needs judging, although this world is full of all kinds of injustice and evil, Jesus says, I came to save the world. Isn't that amazing? All God's people said, amen. That's the mission of our Lord and Savior. But God the Father is the judge. 
And he will bring judgment and justice at just the right time. Jesus told this parable. There was a a poor woman who desperately needed justice. And day after day, she went to the judge in her little town and said, I need justice, I need justice. But he would never listen to her. This poor woman would find him in the streets and follow him around this town and say, I need justice, I need justice. And finally, to get this woman off his back, he listened to her case. And then Jesus says this, if you think a wicked, unbelieving judge could finally be talked into helping this woman get justice that she deserved, how much more will your Father in heaven, the righteous judge, do for you? Jesus says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now listen really close. God the Father will bring about justice, the justice we need. God the Father will bring about the justice our world needs. God the Father will take care of the justice thing. The question is, are you so focused on the justice thing that you're missing the faith thing? When the Son of Man comes for you, will He find faith in you? Will He find that you've put your faith in Him alone to save you? Or will He find that you've stopped believing in Him because of all the injustice that you see? Will He find that you've stepped away from Him because of all the injustice that you see? Here's the bottom line. If anyone ever had a reason to stop believing in the Father... Because of injustices suffered, it was Jesus. If anyone ever had the ability to step away from the Father because of injustices suffered, it was Jesus. The man who stands at the center of all life was was treated more unfairly and more unjust than anyone who's ever lived. And yet, he said this to the Father, not my will, but yours. And then he followed the Father's plan that every human would have an opportunity to be saved from the penalty of their sins. Jesus taught that God was just and that God will bring judgment. So folks, let's leave the justice thing to the Father. Amen? Let's leave the justice thing to Him. And let's focus on knowing Him. And following Him, the one who came to save you from your sins. When we do that, we become a light to our world. A light in the darkness that lifts up to our world. There is a new and better way. And it's through Jesus Christ. It's through being filled with the love of God. There's a better way. Are we ready to be light, church? Let's be a light to our dark world. Would you bow your heads with me? As I pray this prayer, would you consider praying it along in your heart or just say, yes, Lord. Heavenly Father, it breaks our hearts to see all of the injustice in our world. But today we commit to trust you to be just and to leave the administering of justice in your hands. 
For we trust at the right time and way that you'll bring justice and judgment. In the meantime, like those who first followed you, we will focus on following you in the midst of it all. We want to be like lights in the darkness to our world by showing love to all around us. Help us to do that. And then if you're here this morning and you've got to honestly say that you've stepped away from God, would you just pray simply like this, Lord, I'm coming back to you today. I confess my sins to you. I ask for your forgiveness. And best that I know how, from this day on, I will follow you. If you prayed that last prayer, would you just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to start fresh. Amen. Amen. I want to follow him. I want to be a light. Amen. Thank you. Father, as we get ready to leave this place, we won't have to go very far before we see some injustice take place. But Lord, let's lift that injustice up to you. Let's pray for those who are experiencing pain and suffering. And let's show everyone around us love. And leave the justice thing to you. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me?